What's up, guys? My name is Mark, and you found your way to the Out of Step SLC podcast. Now, we all know Utah is a weird fucking place to live, and there's some good reasons for that. For example, people in North Salt Lake are paying millions to build luxury homes that provide them with the most breathtaking views of the oil refinery and the shrinking Great Salt Lake. Which, by the way, folks, if we don't immediately change the way that we treat water here, that lake is going to be gone in five years, which will be absolutely catastrophic. So please be aware and get involved in saving the lake. I will leave links to some organizations in the show notes. Utah is also home to the original BYU campus where men are not allowed to have shoulder length hair or beards, despite them worshiping a white Jesus that has long hair and a beard. Oh, and who could forget? He also drank a shitload of wine and during goose season, you will hear nothing but shotgun blasts in the early morning hours of a growing city called Saratoga Springs. But what I actually love about living here is the counterculture and the music scenes that I call home. I really think we have one of the hardest scenes in the nation due to the overwhelming need to resist the right-wing religious culture that not only surrounds us, but stifles us as well. So guys, the band that I'm going to be talking about has just so much history that I had to break it into two parts to make sure that I do them justice because I really respect what they have been able to do and accomplish during their nearly 40 years in the scene. Now, I had a general awareness of this band, but was never really in my orbit until recently, which honestly is quite surprising. And I'm more than a little disappointed in myself for not looking into them sooner considering just how much I love political activist punk. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you a quite polarizing group that goes by the name Propagandi. Now guys, Propagandi is known for their support of and hands-on approach to a whole host of various causes like being pro-feminist, pro-gay, pro-vegan, and have taken very hardline stances against capitalism, imperialism, nationalism, racism, sexism, you fucking name it. To the point where in the 90s, Chris would intentionally turn the crowd against them. He's mentioned how it was kind of a thrill because of how homophobic and sexist the scene was back then. I mean, really, they were one of only a few punk bands that were actively taking this stance at the time. And needless to say, it it pissed a lot of people off. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's start way back in 1986. So Propagandi was formed by vocalist slash guitarist Chris Hanna and drummer George Somaleski in the super small city of, forgive me, I'm going to butcher it, Portage La Prairie, uh, and that's in the Manitoba province of Canada. They had met each other through playing hockey, and after a few years, they became really good friends, uh, formed the band, and moved to Winnipeg. Uh, in their ever so long quest to find a bassist. 
placed a flyer in their local record store, Records on Wheels, that read, quote, Progressive Thrash Band is looking for a bass player with their contact information on it. And the only call they got was from a dude named Scott Hopper who just went by Hopper. Uh, and when they went over to do the jam session, he opened the door in his underoos <laughs> with a beer in one hand and a smoke in the other. I mean, just an absolute heartthrob, right? Well, something worked out because he was their original bassist and played with them for three years before moving on to a band called Crawl. Their next bassist wound up being in the lineup for their first live performances including opening for Fugazi in 91, and his name was Stinky Mike Braumeister. And according to Chris, he got his nickname from wearing a leather jacket with no t-shirt under it during the summer. So, God, that, we can only fucking imagine. No thanks. He eventually moved to Vancouver, which apparently was a really big deal to the punk scene. In Winnipeg at the time, it was it was basically just killing the scene. Now, after Stinky Mike came John Sampson. And in 1992, they played their first show with no effects, which everybody knows. But for those of you who don't, they're a legendary Southern California punk band. Um, and after their performance, Fat Mike approached them uh, asking for a demo tape and said that he'd really like to put something out by him. Fat Mike had an independent label called Fat Records, so they gave him a copy of their second demo called Fuck the Scene, and really, guys, they, they really didn't think anything more of it, at least for a while. Uh, Mike continued to call them for well over a year, and eventually they found themselves flying to L.A. to record their debut album, How to Clean Everything, in 1993. This is the first record of theirs that I listened to, and holy shit, I can very easily see really how easy it would be to turn a crowd against you. Hell, I think everybody has a touch of anarchism in them, <laughs> and this wakes it right this wakes it right up. Now, a couple of songs that really stuck out to me were <laughs> Stick the Fucking Flag Up Your Goddamn Ass, You Son of a Bitch. <laughs> where the, So this song is basically a convert where there's a conversation being had between a father and a son. And as the father is telling the son, look, it's useless to resist because you can topple ideologies but you can't topple the armies that they enlist. Well, the son doesn't like that, becomes completely disillusioned, and proudly states, quote, because if this country is so goddamn free, then I can burn your fucking flag wherever I damn well please, and then I'm going to stick it up your fucking ass. <laughs> now, <laughs> propaganda is full of this kind of shit. Like, every record, nearly every song has lyrics that are like this fucking visceral. And I absolutely love it. Another song off of that album that I really like is called Anti-Manifesto. And it calls out the scene for not actually listening to the band's message and instead are just there for the entertainment and the hell of it. Stating, quote, but I will remain until this self-awareness fades until I defeat this soapbox that you've made. After this record, they spent the next three years touring 
all over Europe. And they released a few smaller things, like how to clean a couple of things. Uh, they split a 10-inch record with I Spy, a 7-inch with FYP, and another one titled Where Quality is Job Number One. Uh, in 1996, they released Less Talk, More Rock, and Parted Ways with John Samson. Now, from what I found in an article back in 2005, it seemed to be a pretty bitter departure, uh, stating, quote, It was becoming evident that Jordy and I, the rural metalheads, were cut from an entirely different cloth than Little John John, the urbane poet. He just didn't seem to enjoy getting attacked by Nazi skinheads or sleeping on piss-soaked mattresses in lice-infested Italian squats anymore. Go figure. So shortly after we recorded LTMR, we shook hands, performed a mutual culling of the herd, and like all good revolutionary anti-capitalists, got into an argument about money. Eventually, we worked out our differences and helped John into his proverbial golden parachute, which he has apparently thus far rolled into 80 grand worth of pennies with which to buy gourmet peanut butter and bread made of gold. Weird. Close quote. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but that that tells me that there's some fucking bad blood that, that went on there. Uh, but... They must have made up to some extent later because John went on to form an indie band called The Weaker Thans, and their first record was released by the G7 Welcoming Committee, and that was founded by Tom and George. So they must have, like, made up to a certain extent or just completely forgiven each other. I don't fucking know. But I discovered... The weaker thans a little way, like quite a ways back during the credits of the Wedding Crashers, where their song "Aside" plays. It's a pretty damn good song. I just wish I liked the rest of their stuff. <laughs> not a not a huge fan of an not not much of an indie guy, really. <laughs> so less talk, more rock was named ironically because Propagandi has been known to give really long speeches and even explain, like, the meanings behind the songs. And, of course, there's going to be a part of that that's solely there to just piss people off and turn them against you and do what, do what Chris really loves to do. Somehow, they managed to have this album be even more political. And what I absolutely loved about this album is that back when it was released it had gay positive pro-feminist and anti-fascist written on the borders of the actual record obviously this is intentional this is spitting in the face of the people that are against all that shit right um but i really like that because they wanted people to know what they were about and if they weren't gonna fucking listen to the message they're gonna display it loud and fucking proud on the album cover and i love people that wear their hearts unapologetically on their sleeve because it is such a hard thing to do like it is such a hard thing to do because look we all want to get along right <laughs> like we all want to get along we don't really want to step on other people's toes, but at the same time, like you got to have a line somewhere. Right. And they definitely did. And they just, basically they kind of went about it and were like, you know, this is going to piss people off, but fuck them. Like 
we stand for this shit. If that pisses them off, if that pisses them off, that's on them. Fuck them. Now, a couple songs from that record that I really like are apparently I'm a PC fascist because I care about human and non-human animals. Uh, they have a very powerful lyric that goes, quote, through institutionalized violence and oppression of workers and women raped by sexism. Do you still insist on feigning indignance to reason to collective self-interest? Now, maybe I'm a sucker for shock value and I totally fucking am. But the older I get, the angrier I become at the system we live in. Like most of us in the working class, I've been ran into the ground physically, emotionally, mentally, time and again for nothing more than to fulfill the false promises of the white collar, quote, worker to set record high sales. And just who exactly benefits from that? Not the guy who put his body through the ringer to produce or build the product. No, it's the fucking douchebag behind the desk. They get the reward and the praise, everything. Not to mention the blatant sexism that continues to play out with women getting paid less to do the exact same job and stripped of their autonomy and right to choose by backwards-ass politicians and, unfortunately, that fucking part of the population. On top of that, we have these somehow prominent social media personalities that just force misogyny down down people's throats and it's fucking sickening and you all know who i'm referring to i'm not gonna fucking say his name the guy's a fucking prick but it's it's absolutely sickening and it needs to change another good song on this album is the only good fascist is a very dead one it is a short and sweet song that calls out the white supremacists and asks the question quote just what exactly are the great historical accomplishments of your race that make you proud to be white? Capitalism, slavery, genocide, sitcoms. This is your fucking white history, my friend. Close quote. Oh, and let's not forget to throw in racism and uh, the Crusades in there. Now, with songs like these, it's it's no wonder that it was super controversial at the time. In a way... It attacked a lot of people's identities that were no doubt tied up in a lot of this homophobic, sexist, racist rhetoric that was unfortunately quite common at the time. Now, we've made some headway, but there's still such a long fucking way to go. And I really hope I, I try to not be so apathetic with things like these, because I would really like to be able to see the day when it's been eradicated. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, unfortunately we just got to do the best we can, you know? So after the album and John um, was released and John was gone, Todd, the rod Kowalski then became the band's permanent bassist. And then they went back on tour. They played in Canada, Australia, Japan, and Hawaii through the rest of 96 and 97. Um, they spent the rest of 97 and 98 building up their own record label that I mentioned, uh, the G7 Welcoming Com Committee. Uh, in 2001, they released their third album called Today's Empires, Tomorrow's Ashes. And this, this album was cursed, okay? They had 
they had several bad things happen while trying to record this album. To kick things off, the basement where they practiced and recorded flooded. And then Jord broke his foot playing hockey. And then not too it was like two months after that, broke it again playing around on a dirt bike doing motocross. Like, what fucking luck did he have? And then... On top of that, Chris and Todd lost their voices and the label released a, th- a like a statement, quote, something to do with hockey and ice fishing. Now, eventually it was released in February of 2001 and with it came some extra content, including like political videos and essays in regards to the Black Panther Party and Cointelpro. The latter, Cointelpro, was like this secret illegal government project aimed to discredit and essentially dismember political groups like the Communist Party and feminist groups. It's honestly quite fascinating and scary. I <laughs> highly recommend like looking it up, reading up on it if you're interested. Uh, one of the songs from this album, uh, Back to the Motor League, is just, oh, it's it's a good one, guys. It's a good old-fashioned high-speed song that makes two references to the dead Kennedys with the lyric, quote, 15 years later, it still reeks of swill and chicken shit conformists and calls out all the kids who are drunk on Straight Edge. Remember, Straight Edge was really, really getting big around this time. And it also called out the, quote, like father, like son rebels. And raged against some mainstream artists by name, like Limp Bizkit, Eminem, and Korn. Another really good song is Fuck the Border. Uh, It's a furiously paced song, screaming about free movement for all people and how they stand with the people of the world, not their country. At the beginning of the song, they speak of a woman who flees Mexico to survive, and demand an answer for why you're so fucking mad about that and ask what did you and the country do to help before she came? I don't understand why anti-immigration exists or, you know, is a thing. I mean, we all want better for ourselves and our families. And if another place, like if another country is offering you opportunities that you will never have in yours, of course you're going to fucking go. Of course you're going to go. And after all, like, I don't know how many times we're going to have to say this before people get it in their heads. We all came over as immigrants. So fucking get over your fucking privilege, man. Get over it. Now, in 2005, they released Potemkin City Limits. And I didn't know this, but apparently a Potemkin village is a political term That means it's like a front to hide a bad situation, right? It's like masking a problem. Uh, This album also had additional media released with it, including some files on participatory economics, vegan information, and, you know, other causes that they support. Uh, They won the SoCan Songwriting Prize for a speculative fiction, which is the first song on the record. And they pledged the five grand to the Haiti Action Network and Welcoming Place. Uh, also, during this time, Chris played a prank on everybody. 
the prank was he said that he was being replaced by a Glenn Lambert, which understandably confused and angered a lot of people because it's just not really propaganda without him. And this went on for a while, guys. Like he he managed to fool everyone for like 10 months because he started this shit in 2000, October of 2005. And then in August of 2006 announced that Glenn was being replaced by Chris. And during this time, they also added another guitarist named Dave, the Beaver Gillies. So obviously I'm going to recommend listening to a speculative fiction, a song that attacks Americana and my favorite particular lyric stating quote, we wave goodbye to such sad, childish refrains exchanged for other stupid lullabies. Like you can have my guns when you pry them from my cold, dead hands. Oh my God. Do I get sick of hearing that shit? I, am all for gun reform and common sense gun laws. I do believe that the populace should be armed, but I think it needs to be a hell of a lot harder to get your hands on guns and ammunition. And no, civilians do not need to have access to assault weapons. You don't need a heavily modified AR-15 to go hunting. You just don't. How many more mass shootings are we going to allow before people wake the fuck up and stop buying into all of this bullshit NRA propaganda? I mean, seriously, like something has to be done. Now, another song off of this album, uh, Rock for Sustainable Capitalism, attacks the mainstream punk scene and rock uh, and the musicians that are just utilizing the platform they have to just make money. So, you know, like the entire 80s hair, like hair metal and heavy metal scene. Uh, they then call back to a time when, quote, when music used to be a sacred place, not a fucking bank machine. So in 2007, they released a DVD of a live recording of their performance in 2003 at the Winnipeg Zoo called Live from Occupied Territory. It also came with two documentaries, uh, one being Peace, Propaganda, and the Promised Land, and the other being As Long as the Rivers Flow. Uh, the money that was made off of this was sent to the Grassy Narrows Blockade and the Middle East Children's Alliance. All right, guys, so that brings us to the end of part one. Um, for those of you who haven't heard of propaganda before I want you to go and listen to them and at me with what you think, because they are truly a band that have extreme and radical at time views. And I'm immensely curious to see what you guys think. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Um, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your way out. I really want to know what you guys think. Find me on Instagram at out of step SLC. And until next time, we'll see you in the pit.